0: International Broadcasting lives on 508.5, the big one, WTWW. Please stand by as we get ready to launch another episode of this Reality Radio Cafe Cast with your host and my husband, Denny J, K5DCC. 5,
1: 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Ignition, lift off.
2: Now
0: grab your glass and get ready to fill it up with some radio on the rocks. Vehicle's pitching downrange.
1: Alrighty. Again, morning. I'm in the car here now in the truck. It's still raining out. You might even hear some of the rain in the background. I'm not using Zello now, so we can unmute mics and just carry on a conversation. Uh, Denny J here in the Mobile Digicom Cafe in uh, Mountain Home, Arkansas at the moment. Just wrapping up our ham fest here at the Mountain Home, put on by the Mountain Home Amateur Radio Club. So anyway, uh, I'm coming in on my cell phone today. The microphone's probably not as good as my studio mic back home, but we got Jim there with the deep voice. And I'll bet you Sean's got himself a good mic too, don't you, Sean?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'm actually just using my cell phone at the moment, so I hope it sounds okay.
1: Oh, you sound great. Anyway, welcome to the cafe, Sean. Good to hear you
2: over here. Good morning, Sean.
0: Oh, good morning, uh, Jim, and uh, everybody listening. I don't know if you've had a chance
1: to talk to to Professor Jim, my co-host, but uh, Jim, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself if you haven't already.
2: I I haven't because I've been uh, cruising the internet for ideas (laughs) and I spent a little time practicing CW on my new rig and trying to get used to that paddle and uh, it's it's a real trick to realize that all you have to do is tap the right paddle and a dash will emerge you don't have to hold it down In fact, if you hold it down, you get too many dashes. So I'm trying to figure out how that works. I'm actually making a little bit of progress. So, uh, Sean, I'm a retired uh, professor. I started teaching at the University of Minnesota. I taught photojournalism there and uh, became dean of the IU School of Journalism, Indiana University School of Journalism at Indianapolis did that for 28 years and retired about 11 years ago and I am just getting back into ham radio after about a 50 plus year absence so it's it's like it's brand new to me it's a lot of fun so that's more than you ever wanted to know what about you what's your story
0: (laughs) yeah well uh, for I don't know last 10 or 12 years or so, I've been in the uh, auto industry. Um, Pretty heavily into that. I used to actually go to the racetracks and stuff and uh, help buddies out with their cars. Uh, I did a little bit of racing with my uh, Thunderbird I used to have. Uh, Well, I still have it. It's just, uh, it was an 80s model, and uh, believe it or not, I drug that thing out of a lady's yard, got it completely for free, didn't run, looked terrible, (laughs) and uh, I kind of built that thing from scratch. So I kind of got my deal in the, uh, the auto industry there. And, uh, well, after this COVID and everything else has hit, you know, business slowed down, and uh, I said, you know, maybe it's time I'll try something new. So I do still enjoy driving quite a bit, so I end up catching a, a driving job at a, a paper shredder business or a document shredding business. Uh, we, we go around to all kinds of places, lawyers' offices, courthouses, uh, doctor's offices, uh, accounting offices, you, you name it if it's got confidential information on it. Uh, we we pick it up, we, or clients that we have an account with anyway, we'll end up picking it up or exchange containers, you know, the full ones for another empty one, and we take it back to the, uh, the building there and, uh, shred it all up, turn it into 1,500-pound bales and wait for the tractor-trailer to come pick it up in
2: a few months or so. So, uh, yeah. Well, not surprisingly, you are actually reminding me of a story. (laughs) <laughs> and that has to do with paper shredding of confidential information. Uh, the student newspaper, the Sagamore, uh, at my campus in Indianapolis, I-U-P-U-I, which is a cooperative campus between Indiana University and Purdue University. Anyway, one of the student journalists was wandering in the halls of... of. Uh, the building where the newspaper offices were, uh, which was also where the university registrar's office was and the bursar's office. And there in a waste can set out into the hallway were strips of paper that had been run through a paper shredder. And the student naturally being inquisitive, pawed through the strips of paper and found out that each strip of paper, had a student's name, social security number, and a bunch of other information, line by line by line. In other words, the the paper shredder that the university office had did not cross-shred. It was a linear shredding. And it so happened, when they fed the paper through the shredder, it didn't really... uh, Shred to obliterate confidential information. It actually just cut the piece of paper into strips, and each strip was fully legible with confidential information on it. So they published that story, and the university offices went berserk and upgraded their shredders. <laughs>
1: hey, anyway, Jim, I'm going to let you uh, continue asking questions. It might be a little noisy here in the car, but. Uh... I was going to mention that Sean is kind of into gadgets, I believe, looking at his QRZ page. And he mentioned that to me on uh, Zillow the other day. Uh, Sean, I want to tell you about this little gadget I just bought here at the Hamfest. It's a Uniden 800 megahertz Bearcat scanner, the BC350C. Are you familiar with that one?
0: I am familiar with some of their scanners. Uh, uh, (laughs) As a matter of fact, I have a Uniden Bear Tracker 885. It's a... 40-channel uh, AMCB and digital trunking scanner all in one. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's funny you mentioned scanners.
1: Yeah, so you're into uh, all that uh, scanners and stuff. Is that kind of what got you interested in ham radio?
0: Uh, yes, Some uh, it does have a part to it, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah i just happen to kind of come across this radio uh, i've always ever since i've had my driver's license even that thunderbird that i was drag racing <laughs> it's always had a cb in it always you know it's just the it was the the radio of the road so to speak and uh, i've always had a cb in it and uh i actually after i parked that car and i had a uh it was a 87 ford i ended up driving that thing for quite some time it had a cb in it um but i ended up hitting a deer had to replace the vehicle. Uh it was it was pretty pretty demolished. So I ended up getting this SUV here. And uh, I noticed that I have a, a column shifter instead of like the floor shifter. And uh I knew that I was gonna try to to at least at, at that point in time I was gonna really try to get into radio and uh mobile mobile radio. And uh this this center console just had plenty of space for radios. <laughs> so uh <laughs> I uh Oh, I said, you know what, I'm going to have a CB like I've had in every other vehicle, but I'd like to add a scanner as well. And uh, fortunately enough for me, Uniden um, sells kind of like a little hybrid combo here, and I end up going with that. And um, I did have some other scanners in the past, but our area here, uh, either Delaware, Maryland, or even Eastern Shore, Virginia, have all went to uh, digital. So, of course, those analog scanners just went quiet. And, uh, once I yeah. found this one did digital trunking, uh, it was yeah. a no brainer. I had to grab it.
1: Yeah. But anyway, I know that, uh, you're not only listening on scanners, but you have gotten involved in some of the voice technology like Zello. That's where you and I first met over on the, on Ray's ZMR uh, channel. So that was kind of cool. But why don't you go ahead and tell your story, uh, from beginning to end, how you got interested in ham radio? What was that process like? What, what's your call sign now? All the details as if you're trying to encourage some other young people to get into this hobby. And I'm going to mute my mic and sit in the background here as we uh, start to travel. And I'll let Jim uh, pick up with you with uh, further follow-up questions. So go ahead and tell your story.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, Man, where to start? <laughs> uh, you know, I guess it, you could say it's when I kind of moved out to the woods here. Um, I've always had some bodies, you know, in and around the area, different one of the three different states here, you know, whether it was in Delaware or in Maryland and uh, they're really rural areas. Um, you know, it's either a lot of cornfields or a lot of woods. And, um, I end up coming down here into Maryland and, uh, I've got some buddies and friends that we hang out with. And I just noticed that cell reception was really, really poor. And uh, matter of fact, I'm, I'm only talking to you on a bar right now. So <laughs> I'm glad that the audio is working good. Um, but I, I just kind of challenged myself, uh, especially with with, uh, with COVID and everything going on. And, uh, and I'm not being a conspiracy theorist by any means, but, you know, the the country, as it was uh, over these past couple of years or even a little bit more so, has been a little unstable, so to speak. So uh, I said, you know, it, we really need a way to communicate that is not through a cell phone. And uh, being out here in the woods, it really kind of uh, posed some interesting um tasks for me you know some things I had to overcome and uh so just playing with the CB I kind of you know was planning and experimenting with different antennas you know um I I probably did months and months of reading <laughs> before I was really able to do anything or even know what I was going to purchase um I just did plenty of reading and uh I had some questions about, you know, uh, antenna theory and and a lot of stuff that a a novice radio operator wouldn't know about. And uh, I kind of figured, or or I've kind of found out anyway, that uh, you could ask 20 different CBers the same question and they'll give you 20 different answers. You could ask 20 different ham operators that same question and you'll get 20 of the same answer. And uh, I really started to pay attention more. And uh, kind of started to get grandfathered into the whole amateur radio uh, side of things. Um, I decided that I wanted to get my license very early last year. Uh, I think it was either late December of uh, 2019 or uh, early January of 2020. I, I said, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite the bullet. We're gonna get it done. I'm gonna get my hand license." So I started studying, started getting some of the question pools going, and uh, then the, uh, the the COVID thing hit. So every single ham club that I could even think of getting a hold of was closed up. Everybody was quarantining at home. Uh, you know, non-essential people couldn't be on the roads and and all that good stuff. And, uh, I said, wow, look at that. (laughs) As soon as I want to get my license, uh, everything's closing up. So I almost kind of gave up on the idea. Uh, I ended up uh, finding Ray and the whole Zello thing, uh, online there. And, uh, I kind of joined in on that, so that was really the closest thing I had, other than the uh, CB, to amateur radio. And uh, I learned so much off of Ray and 9KGC and some of the other uh, Elmers there. Um, I I just said, you know what, we we got to do this. There's there's no way I can back out now. I'm on Zello. I'm talking to ham radio uh, guys. You know, they're they're nice. They're awesome. They're they're plenty educated. And uh, I just knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. So, uh, I ended up meeting a local ham up the road here. He's not too far. Um, I told him about my whole deal and how I wanted to kind of get started in it and start tinkering with things. And uh, he ended up having a 2-meter ICOM. It's a 2200H. It's, it is a D-Star model, though I've never ran D-Star on it. Um, but uh, he was like, well, this will get you started. Brand new in the box. I paid 100 bucks for it and uh, installed it in my truck. And at the time, I had a little Magmount antenna, so when I was riding through certain areas, I would just listen, and uh, just some of the guys on there were just having such a ball, and uh, you know they were talking and chatting with each other. Uh, every day when I was going to work, I would just listen to these guys conversate, and it just—I knew I had to be a part of it, so I just kept it on going, kept kept working further towards a a goal. Um, that the guy that actually gave me or I bought this radio from, he got me in touch with a uh. Uh, older ham out here and uh, he does testing so yeah you know, of course this took a couple of months we finally got a hold of him and uh, when everybody had free time and he had sent me some text messages and said hey you know I heard you're trying to get into the hobby and uh, by all means please stop by when you can you know we'll get you tested don't worry about it and uh, I said awesome so I started doing some, some pretty hard studying here and there um, I was still playing with the CB at the time uh, it was pretty close to end of end of the summer and over the summer anyway, I might have forgot to mention that uh, I really started working some pretty good DX and it was just off of this 40 channel uh, AM rig here and I've, I've talked to 36 out of the lower 48 states, I've talked all up and down the east coast with the exception of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what is going on with Pennsylvania. I can hear Pennsylvania sometimes, but I've never had a conversation with anybody on the CB uh, in Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, my other, my hand buddy up the road here, um, he said, well, you know what? He was like, since you're making all these contacts, you're, you seem to be catching the DX pretty good. He was like, I've got some stuff laying around here. It's pretty old. I don't even know if it works, but if you can get it out of here, you can have it. So, you better believe the the next opportunity I had to get up there. I just had to go and see what he had. And uh, (laughs) he had this antron, and I kid you not, it was laying in the the back ditch of his house. It's completely waterlogged, uh, everything else. And uh, he pulls this thing out, and the, the fiberglass is, you know, as fiberglass does over time, kind of frays a little bit here and there. And it just, it really did not look like anything at all. And uh, so after we drained the water out of it, and let it sit there for a while, um, I said, "You know what? I'll take it home. I'll check it out. We'll just see what we can do with it." Nonetheless, if anything, it's just something to play with.
2: So what? Um, what was that rig again that you were you were uh, that was waterlogged? What was it?
0: Oh, it's an Antron ninety nine.
2: I'm not familiar with that. What is it? High frequency or UHF or what is it?
0: Oh, it's, a uh, yeah,
2: uh, high frequency. It's for a 10 and 11 meter and, uh, I guess okay. you could
0: use it for 12. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a half wave, uh, and fed vertical antenna. Um, yeah. So I, I just took a wire brush, just knocked off all the old stuff and, uh, <laughs> literally took some, some white paint that I had after I'd smoothed everything back out, took some white paint, spray painted it and, uh put it in the air, and literally got a one-to-one match on on an analyzer. Couldn't believe it. So I hooked it up, hooked some coax to it, hooked it to my radio, tested it out, and all of a sudden I was talking, you know, ground wave just about 40 miles away. People were hearing me, said I was loud and clear, it's great. So I ended up making a uh, kind of like a Rigby (laughs) kind of a mass system here. Um, it kind of posed me with a unique challenge because uh, the house that we're, I'm renting from, uh, they didn't want any antenna fixtures onto the house. You know, it's, it's not mine. I don't own it. So you know, if a windstorm came, something broke, it would come and land. They didn't want something going through a window or damaging anything on the house. So it posed me with another challenge. How am I going to get this antenna in the air? And if I can't have a radio room in the house to, to work a base station, how do I get this base station-like contacts? So my mobile, my truck here, <laughs> and uh, let's call it about, well at the time it was about 30, 30 bucks worth of material and uh, a donated flagpole. So I've kind of made, kind of like a, a, a tilting system. I'm sure uh, you guys have seen it online, but uh, it's kind of like an old school flagpole. It just has a pivot point so I can tilt it down during really windy days and I can just swing it back up and lock it in. Um, so it, it's made literally out of 2 by 4s that are screwed together. I have two, two by 4s that are concreted into the, the dirt back here in the backyard. And uh, it's, a, it's a standalone antenna. I just drive up to it, swap coaxes, bring the, the Antron coax through the window, hook it right to the radio, and uh, we're talking. <laughs> so uh, we, we were able to kind of do that work around, And, yeah, like I said, over the summer, uh, working all that, the, those contacts, I, I just couldn't believe that I had gotten all that. I had a ham I had showed him and was talking to him about some of the contacts I was making. And uh, he was like, you did all of that on AM? I said, yeah, you know, we've gotten to Mexico, Canada, uh, Antigua Island, Puerto Rico several times. Uh, my furthest contact on 11 meters is uh, South Wales area over there in the UK, all the way across the pond. Well, wow. I was talking to Texas at the time. And, uh, I mean, it, it was the band was wide open man it was wide open you could hear everybody in there and uh, I was talking to some guy in a truck in Texas and next thing I know I, I got uh, some some Englishman <laughs> coming through and uh, I was just mind blown I was I couldn't believe it he started we only had contact for maybe 8 to 10 seconds it was not long, not a long contact at all but it was just enough that he heard my call sign and I could hear his
2: so, your radio is in your truck, correct? Yes. And so, did, did I hear you correctly? When you're home, you back up your truck to the backyard and hook up your antenna to your truck? That is correct,
0: yep.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> tremendous. That's really uh, fascinating. Yeah.
0: I, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I had just bought a power supply off a of race, so now I don't have to use a... Uh, uh, fuel anymore, but uh, yeah, so I turn my, my mobile setup, I just unhook the mobile coax and bring the uh, the Antron coax that's 60 foot in the air, and bring it right through the window and hook it right to the radio, so I, I have a, more or less, I guess you could say a portable base station, it's it's really hard to explain, but
2: yeah. <laughs> well, I had to ask because I thought I heard you correctly, but I, <laughs> I really wasn't sure, <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. uh, so uh when when you're traveling that uh, so what is the rig in your car?
0: Okay, so uh well right now uh <laughs> actually another uh slightly newest purchase uh since I've gotten my license was a uh, it's a RCI 2950DX. Um but so we have that. I have that mounted in the truck. I have the the in. Uh, bear tracker which is still in here that is still working um, I just kinda swap uh, antennas on that since I just use the uh, the unit and mostly now for uh, uh, the scanner just the scanner itself so and then the uh, the two-meter ICOM
2: okay uh, I only have one radio uh, that I take in the car and that's a little ICOM handy talkie which I uh, move from the car to my desk, go back and forth, and I have a little hot spot that puts me on D-Star. So, that, in fact, I met, I met Denny on D-Star, I think. And that's how I got hooked up. And that got me interested in upgrading my license and getting back on the air. And so everything's new to me, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh... <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I've only been a ham, an official ham. I, I finally bit the bullet and, uh, I contacted that VE. I've only been a ham for maybe two months now, not even two months. And, uh, that's, that's a funny, interesting story in and of itself. But, uh, this, this VE that I drove to, he's got a 200 foot tower He's got Yagi beams all over the place, you know. I mean, I just pulled up to his house, and I was in shock and awe. <laughs> I mean, I was, just, I was just floored, you know. All of his uh, his radios aren't actually, you know, like radios. You don't get to see him. He just controls everything through a uh, computer interface, and it was really crazy. But, uh, yeah, I got in there. I got my ham test done. Uh, after a lot of members had come forward to me and said, you know, you really got to do this. You just... You're too interested in radio to not do this. And uh, I, I agreed. You know, I, I really do like radio. always have. And uh, now, we're, now we're just getting our feet wet on the amateur side. You know, uh, I, those guys that I had been listening to forever, I can now talk back to them. You know, oh, <laughs> it's that's just a great feeling.
2: It, that, that's just wonderful. So uh, listening, listening got you interested, but now you're talking. And that's even more interesting.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I have to say Zello has a big part to do with that. Um, You know, it was a platform where anybody and everybody can communicate. And, uh, I mean, those guys over on Zello, over on Ray's channel, the ZMR, or the Zello mode radio uh, deal, it it really took off. There was just so many people on there. Um, And there's really a channel on there for whatever you want. You know, you don't have to just stick to one thing. And uh, Ray does a very good job at moderating his, uh, his side of things on the, the whole ZMR platform. I mean, all those different channels he does, all those cross-links, uh, the, the ones that are for amateurs only, you know, I'm finally now able to get into that. And uh, it was just so exciting. But yeah, listening got me into it and just want, wanting to tinker and just having that challenge of having a different form to communicate because the cell phone, as uh, I see almost every day here, uh, it is almost unusable unless you're standing in the right spot. And uh, so I, I've taken something that was kind of something I tinkered with to move into just a little bit of a hobby. To it, It's a lifestyle now. You know, I never leave the house without another form of communication. You know, I'm all, I have an HT with me. Um, as a matter of fact, just before I passed my license, Ralph, N-A-Y-Q-J over there in Michigan, uh, he donated me a DMR radio. And it does analog and digital as well. So I mean, it's kind of everything in one HT. And uh, I (laughs) I carry it with me every day when I leave the house to go to work. I I make sure that HT is packed in my lunchbox pocket. You know, I I just got to have it with me. I I don't know. I don't know where I would be without it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it just kind of becomes a part of you. And uh, you meet so many great people. So many. You know, even if it's folks that you will never meet face to face. You can all tune into one channel and and chew the fat for hours, should you want to do that. And uh, I just think it's a it's a great thing. It's uh, uh I'm sure radio, especially with the whole COVID thing and then people being, being kind of confined to their their properties, that uh, uh, well, so I hear anyway that amateur radio has really taken off last year. And I think uh, more people got their call signs last year than they have in any other year.
2: I uh. I just joined uh, a local club. In fact, I'm now members of two local clubs here. I live in the Indianapolis, Indiana area. And uh, I was studying for my extra license and uh, eventually signed up for the test. And the, the, the local person in charge of the testing, which occurs in our club monthly, said, be sure you sign up well in advance because all the available seats are gone two weeks ahead of time so that what you have just said about a boom in testing is certainly reflected in the local market I'm in it just seems to be growing and uh, the first person in my family to have uh, an interest in amateur radio is my son-in-law my son wasn't interested. My daughter wasn't interested. My older grandchildren weren't interested. And finally, I have my son-in-law interested in uh, getting a license. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited. And in talking with my neighbor, uh, my neighbor is also interested. So uh, it just seems to be that COVID has brought out uh, a lot of pent-up interest in communication because everybody's been stuck at home.
0: Exactly, exactly, and uh, yeah, I mean, even even for me, you know, I was stuck. I was stuck home for. Well, I was partially working. I went. I went from a full time employee, uh, working ten and a half hours a day, to part time, at the shop that I was working at. And, uh, it just, it just slowly died off from there. So I was home for quite some time and, uh, yeah, I just <laughs> didn't have anything really other to do, you know, you can only clean the house, you know, so many times a day. You can only, you know, you know sit there and watch TV for so long. And that's just not me. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an outside person, you know, I gotta be doing something. I gotta be tinkering with something. And, uh, you know, I just, my truck wasn't broken and, uh, the other cars weren't broken and, uh, well, I mean, at that time, you know, you're, when you're not making money like that, you can't just be going race car parks all the time. So I said, ah, oh, radio would be something really cheap. And I mean, some of the stuff that I'm working with, it's, it's not brand new, but it's not, uh, uh beat to heck either. And, uh, you know, I just been scrounging the internet, meeting people, uh, and some, some of the stuff, it, it just came to me for free. I had to just put the time and the effort into it to restore it. And, uh, yeah, the, the end-all, be-all goal is to, to try to work the world from my driver's
2: seat right here. So, i <laughs> have
0: to see how that goes.
2: You you may be. You, your situation is so interesting that uh, you've you essentially moved your entire radio operation into your truck. And you just back up your truck to your backyard antennas. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. You may be the first wor- person to work all the countries in the world from your truck.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just you know it's like you said that this the situation just poses some unique challenges, and uh, I haven't slowed down one bit. You know, I'm I'm always constantly thinking about how I can improve something. You know, how I can change something up to make it easier. And, uh, matter of fact, um, what was it earlier this week? It had to have been Monday or Tuesday, uh, this week, 10 meters opened up. And, uh, I was on Zello, of course. I take that Zello radio with me into work. Uh, I've even got a little earpiece. so Even when I'm, I'm on the road or when I'm exchanging, uh, these paper shredder cans, I've got Zello in my ear 24 seven. And, uh, <laughs> one of the hams on there his name's dave uh w a3 lxd he's a awesome awesome guy and uh he he eats his dinner <laughs> you could call him late for anything except for dinner <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh and he he happened to turn on his uh his hf set and uh all i hear is you know kc3rln are you in there kc3rln are you in there I'm like yeah dave <laughs> go ahead i'm right here and He said, man, I don't know what time you get out of work, but I hope it's soon. Ten meters is wide open. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So I said, yep, I'm coming out of this building in less than ten minutes. I will be in my truck. And sure enough, I got fired up in the truck. Um, I have a ball mount on the passenger rear quarter there. It's a 102 whip with a six-inch spring. Uh, SWR is actually lower on ten meters than what I was originally using it for in 11. But uh, I fired up this 2950. (laughs) got rolling down the road and i said yeah i'm I'm hearing some stuff here if i said you know give me a little bit let me get rolling down the highway let me get away from town i'll have a lot less interference to deal with so sure enough we did i got rolling down the road and i mean the entire world was was on 10 meters that day oh wow Uh, i actually actually made contact with this gentleman he's all the way in florida uh he could hear me the entire time i was talking i mean it, it was like like me and you right now you know just communicating and uh so after i i had Got my fill of making uh, contact with him on a ten meter radio. Uh, he said, "Why don't you go chase you some DX? Go, go see what you can do." So I ended up making some pretty uh, incredible uh, <laughs> contacts, just rolling down the road. Uh, you know, I talked to what it seemed like the entire state of Florida, uh, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, Alabama. I got a special event station, five uh, WL, the Louisiana purchase that happened to be working that day. Uh, got them at a five nine full quieting rolling down the road. Well, wow. uh, yeah, I mean it, it was just it was amazing. I was like a kid in a candy store. And uh, after the sun had literally went down, it was probably eight o'clock here. Sun disappeared, went down past the trees, and uh, all of a sudden the band closed up. And I was like, "Well, I made some pretty good contacts today, so I was not mad at it at all." And uh, that was my first uh, amateur radio. Uh, experience actually working a pileup. I I even went to an empty frequency called DX, or CQ, sorry. And, uh, I mean, it was just a pileup after pileup were coming back to me. And I just ended up racking up all kinds of contacts.
2: Wow. Well, I've, I've become, have you explored satellite communication yet?
0: I have heard so much about it. And I am very interested in getting into it. Um, I do have some uh, two-meter stuff. I know that uh, there's actually a couple members on Zello that work two-meter satellite, and uh, they've been kind of slowly building up their uh, their their tool shed there and then getting stuff that they need. You know, um, I guess the handheld yagis, I guess, would be a a common thing to use. So you can point it up into the sky at satellite and then work them that way. But uh, I have not myself. Uh, ventured into that yet, but I do plan to.
2: Well, uh, so do I. Uh, I've, I've watched some YouTube videos on it, and it looks fascinating. I, I'm an old guy, and I wonder if my brain can process information as fast as it's, as it's necessary to do that, because the uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, hand eye brain coordination in satellite communication. Everything happens so quickly.
0: Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was telling uh, my VE, um, I went to his house last weekend. Um, we've actually become pretty good, pretty cl- uh, close friends. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a little bit of an older gentleman, and he's got an attic full of stuff. He runs a broadcast engineering business. He takes care of FM and AM radio stations around the area. And uh, so, I mean, his his uh, pole building that he runs this business out of it's just absolutely crammed with materials and tools and things like that. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty, pretty organized, but he did have some stuff that he wanted to take up. So I had helped him, you know, just move some stuff up to the attic area. And, uh, he had given me a, oh, I think it's a, oh, my mind's slipping now. I think it's an M2, but it's a cube, uh, a stacked cube, uh, two meter antenna vertical. So... I'm gonna try to do some stuff with that and uh I just gotta get some piece parts. matter of fact, after the interview today, I'm gonna run up to the uh, the radio shop here and see if we can't spend a couple dollars in there getting some stuff but uh yeah, with two meter um, it, it's a lot more to it than I actually thought there was, you know, uh, just listening to these guys, you know, just working the regular analog repeaters um you know you can get into sideband and, and satellites and everything else and i was just completely mind blown i didn't even know that that existed
2: yeah i'm i'm with you uh this uh you know after being off the air for 50 years or so it's it's just a new world you know nothing that i learned as a teenager is the same anymore of course it, that would apply to almost anything but uh I'm 76 now, and I got my license when I was probably 15 or 16, and uh, everything was vacuum tube, and you you built practically everything, or, or used a relatively inexpensive Heathkit things that you could put together. Uh, Heathkit was a company in Michigan that made ham radio kits, and they were very popular because they were relatively inexpensive and the, their instruction manuals were, uh, among the best ever. So it was pretty easy to put their stuff together. And I built a lot of stuff and built power supplies from scratch, uh, old TV parts and so forth. And, uh, back in those days, you, you built, it seems like you built more things than, than people do now, uh, but uh, I just got this ICOM 7300 and uh, finally got enough courage to turn the power on last night. <laughs> I don't have an antenna up yet, so I'm, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm practicing code on it. And uh, I thought, well, if I'm getting this new rig, I'll get this paddle. And it, when I learned code, when I, when I first got my license, there were code requirements. You had to pass it uh, from... For my general, it was 13 words a minute, and uh, but I I did code on a straight key, and these paddles are something else. I'm I'm having a lot of fun trying to adapt my old old uh, almost forgotten straight key fist to the new paddles, and it, it just everything's. It's like you're just beginning in the in the hobby, and so am I. Even though I've had a license since since i was 16 years old just been off the air for a long time so tell me about your uh did i remember that you were into uh racing cars or what what was that i've kind of forgotten already
0: <laughs> yeah i uh oh man i've always tinkered with something you know well it, it whether it was an electronic device or an automobile i've always tinkered with something and uh Yeah, I was, well, I kind of have to kind of give most of the credit to my brother-in-law. He was always kind of into, like, watching the NRA or, yeah, the racing leagues and stuff like that, and um, he he took me to the drag strip. We have a local drag strip, I don't know, probably 15 miles up the road from us here, and uh, during the summers and the weekends and stuff, everybody brings their little project cars out and uh, races, so... It only took a couple of uh, days at the drag strip for me to see, you know, yeah, this is fun. We got to get into this. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I never took it as far as I wanted to. Uh, just, you know, life itself just kind of caught up with me and just getting busy and just becoming an adult, you know, kind of slowed up some things. And, you know, you, you have other priorities that you have to take care of. But uh, we did do some drag racing for sure. And uh, I got that Thunderbird. It was a 88. Uh, Thunderbird Turbo Coupe. I don't know if you remember those, but uh, it, instead of having the big honking V8, which there's, I absolutely love V8s, uh, what made that car kind of special was it was it was a four-cylinder turbocharged car, but it made power. It actually made a little bit more power than the V8 that they sold at the time. And uh, it was just the first car for me. You know, I just wanted to to have something to kind of poke around, but you know, what, what young kid doesn't want to have a little bit of a hot rod, you know? So I decided (laughs) to keep it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, for, for full disclosures, I can't say that we ever did any uh, crazy street racing, but, uh, well, let's just say that we ran down some cars that I didn't think it'd be possible to run down and, and peel the paint off of. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> after, after that, I said, yeah, you know what? The, you know, we this is something to get into, you know, just seeing the shock and all. And then, you know, when you pull over to the gas station and the and that guy in that Camaro pulls up next to you and he's like, man, that thing's got to have something crazy. in it.' what do you got? And you just look over at him and go, it's just a little four banger. It's only 2.3 liters. <laughs> and, uh, what? you know you just see their jaw dropping and they don't believe you you know you got to pop the hood so they can see that there's only four spark plugs sitting there and uh you know like yeah so it it got pretty fun and uh <laughs> we end up going down to the drag strip um and it, it helped a lot because parts for that car were incredibly cheap and uh ford they they made so many different uh, variants of, uh that engine and and put that that engine in different vehicles so you could literally trip fall and stumble and just come across parts and upgrades for that car for I mean dirt cheap money and uh, so just one by one I get done school and I go right over to my brother-in-law's house where he had a little bit of room in a shop and we'd go on the weekend go pick something up whether it was used out of the junkyard or something would come in the mail and I just had to put it on the car and you know see what improvements it made and uh, we got down to the drag strip a few times, and uh, I think the fastest I've ever gotten was a, a thirteen-five at a hundred and thirty-two miles an hour. I don't know; my brain might be uh might be might be off just a little bit, but we got her pretty quick. It was a, wow. especially
2: for a car at the time. It it was a pretty quick car. So my my dad was a pretty frugal man. He he was a young man during the First Depression. And, uh, of course, the rest of his life, he was very frugal. He would, if, he, if some wood structure blew down in the wind, he'd knock the nails out with a hammer and pound them straight and save them because those nails could be reused someday. And he only bought one new car in his entire life, he always bought used cars. And it so happened the local dealer, uh, uh, some other person had ordered a 56 Chevy, but the order was with a Corvette engine in it. And then eventually the person found they didn't have enough money to pay for it, and the dealer was left with this 56 Chevy with a Corvette engine, which ordinary buyers of 56 Chevys at the time did not want and so the guy made a really the dealer made a really good deal with my dad for that car which i eventually inherited as my car and uh, i just loved having that car of course it had a lot of power and uh, i really enjoyed kind of jazzing that up one one of the most interesting experiences i had regarding racing was i photographed the ND 500 uh, with credentials. So I was right down there, oh, you know, ten, 10 feet from the inside wall. That inside wall is only about four feet high. And uh, those, I had to wear uh, shooting, um, you know, the, the ear cups you put over your ears when you go shooting, I had to wear those to keep the noise from driving me crazy, because when those things go by and you're so close to them, the sound is, they're going like 230 miles an hour, and the sound is just incredibly deafening. And uh, I actually had earplugs inside the shooting earcups too, so um, that was how I protected my hearing. But it racing's fun, isn't it? It's just... I've been to motorcycle races and uh, been to the Indy 500, and uh, it takes a special kind of crazy to get into a vehicle and put your foot on the floor. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly, it does. It's it's definitely a adrenaline rush, if anything else. Um, I can remember I can remember the first time pulling up to the start line, you know, and you're just you're watching those lights. You know, you you got a guy over there with a a straight pipe drag car, and I'm sitting in my little uh, 80s Thunderbird here, you know, just just revving up, just not even worried about him, just watching the lights and just trying to catch that best time and to, to try to get all those shifts perfect, and it's absolutely an adrenaline rush. And then once you find out that you've done over 100 mile an hour or so in a quarter mile, you know, you, you, you go, okay, here's my base point. You know, this is, this is, I got to beat this time. So even if I don't beat the other guy in the other lane, I got to beat this time. And you're just, you're just beating yourself and beating yourself by milliseconds and milliseconds until you, you get to that goal. And, uh, honestly, I, I really do wish that, uh, well, I mean, I guess it's not too late. I do still have the car. Um, the only, the only issue with the car was it's got some wiring issues. yeah. <laughs> in the 80s, Ford wasn't all that great with uh, how they ran their grounds and their wires and uh, well I mean the, of course the car sat for a long time it was neglected for a long time so some of those wiring harnesses, they're, they're all brittle and cracking and having issues and I just didn't have the time to go through the 85,000 wires that they decided to, to <laughs> run in car so I, I just kind of gave up on it and uh, kind of let it sit there and I always told myself I was going to get something else but uh, only time will tell so
2: these wiring harnesses are really I mean if you buy a harness for a car these days it's a couple thousand dollars just for the wiring
0: yeah absolutely so yeah you're 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 stuck with well and that car in particular um, from all the research I can do and believe me I I I've went end to end on the internet trying to to figure out how I could solve this and uh, you're you're either stuck you're gonna have to go buy the wire and make one and repin every single connector yourself or you're gonna have to turn that car, you're gonna have to strip it completely out. Cause some of these harnesses inter- intertwine with each other as it ran through the vehicle. Everything behind the dashboard, everything in the engine bay, all the sensors and all the wiring that goes into the trunking area where they, they keep some of the computers and things like that. It would you would be months redoing this. And uh yeah, so I was either stuck paying, you know, a th- couple of thousand to, to redo the harnesses, and that's if you can find some of them. So I'd, I'd, in the end, I'd have to make some of them anyway to, to redo it. Or uh, you just pull the drivetrain out of it and go with something bare bones and try to do it that way. So it's it's been pretty interesting trying to figure it out, how, how I'm going to do it. But the car has sat for some time now, and, uh, I mean, it still runs. Every, every once in a while, I still go over there, and I'll I'll start it up and, uh, you know, do something, but, you know, the gauge cluster or something, some ground will touch something that it's not supposed to somewhere, and the gauges will act funny, the motor will kind of run a little rough, because it's fuel injection, and uh, you know, that's all computerized, so the wiring going from the computer to the engine and, and the hub of the car, it's it's just acting funny, but it's, it does still run, uh, still sounds good, it just doesn't go anywhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you like to tinker, and other than your, your vehicles and ham radio, are there any other areas you tinker in and make things?
0: You know, I've, uh, I've thought about it, never had the tools or anything. Uh, I did take a shop class when I was in high school, so I thought woodworking would be pretty cool. Uh, I've, I haven't done any kind of woodwork in years. But uh, I'm going to try to combine ham radio and woodworking here. Uh, As soon as the price goes back down, because every time I walk into a uh, hardware store or a Lowe's or something, uh, you know, the the price of wood has just skyrocketed. But I'm going to try, given my situation here with uh, the vehicle being a a base station, more or less, on wheels, I'm going to try to get the power supply that I bought from Ray, this 2950. um, I have, well, I I will be having, it's a dual-band Kenwood 2-meter radio, so I'm gonna make kind of like a base station in a box type of deal, and uh, we're gonna add fans and everything, keep the airflow moving, and uh, it's all gonna run off the power supply. And uh, so all I have to do is just back up to that antenna, bring that box out, run out an extension cord from the uh, the pole shed in the backyard, and uh, we'll be we'll be DXing. I won't have to burn fuel to do it. Won't have to worry about draining my car battery or needing an alternator. And uh, we'll try to do it that way
2: you're you're kind of reminding me of I'm a, a old-time scouter uh, was a boy scout as a youth and continued to serve as an adult and there's a, a a thing that people generally build themselves out of plywood and it's it's a portable kitchen that you can t- put in the back of your SUV or whatever and you get to a campsite and Some of them have wheels on them because they they wind up being pretty heavy because you've got uh, dishwashing materials and cooking materials and everything in this uh, uh, plywood box on legs. And you you lower down the front of it, and you've got a place to work and chop up your onions and potatoes and whatnot. And uh, you're sort of describing the ham radio version of a portable kitchen.
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, to even add to that, um, again, I don't know how I do it. I really don't know how, but uh, there's uh, those UK guys that I had mentioned. Um, I had broke into their their CB net that they were having over there uh, during when when we were having some incredible conditions and uh, I end up getting some of their information and um, one of the guys over there makes portable, uh, fiberglass push-up antennas, and they they, they 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 run a wire that's already tuned for 10 and 11 meters, and you just kind of compact this thing in your trunk, the the back of your SUV, a truck, whatever you got, and uh, they go to a hilltop somewhere, and run this fiberglass thing up. <laughs> they run their wire antenna up right on top of it, and they're talking all over the place and matter of fact when that guy was talking to me that's what he was using so now he's going after we've had a little back and forth for a while um he's in the process of making one of these fiberglass things now and he said you know what i don't care what you say uh after he had heard my story and, and what i'm doing now he said you know what it'd be really fun if you could go over there by the marina or the, the body of water that you're there thereby and uh See if you can use one of these fiberglass things and talk to us. Free of charge. I'm sending it to you. I don't care what you say. And I was just blown away. I said, man, you know, let me buy it from you. Let me do something. And he was like, nope, nope, I'm not taking any money. And I was like, look, that thing's coming all the way from the U.K. At least let me pay for the ride. So he said, okay. I don't even know how much that's going to be until I get in there to ship it to you. But it's coming your way. So uh, pretty soon I'll have another uh, antenna mass to play with. Wow.
2: And that... The, uh, the, the elevation of the, the, the lower lobe actually raises over water, too. So that will probably, that might have an effect of, I don't really know whether that'll get you more distance or less distance, but at least the, uh, if I remember correctly, the, the broadcast lobe uh, is raised over water. But I don't yeah. know if you you might have to be on a boat. I don't know if you're on land. I don't know if that still works. I don't. I, I just don't know. I don't think okay. so. Come to think yeah. of it,
0: I'm uh I'm not a hundred percent sure myself. But uh, <laughs> yeah, our, our little peninsula here, it's right at sea level. And actually, depending on where you go, we're actually beneath sea level um, by quite a few feet in some areas. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing all the testing that I can. Um, I'm trying to do, you know, kind of make it as scientific as, as humanly possible. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I end up installing this ball mount on my truck. And uh, I kind of got the inspiration from some of the old patrol cars from back in the day. Uh, I'm yes. To, I'm sure you guys <laughs> remember the, those big, tall, long whips that were on the back corner or on a bumper or something. Yep, I remember and, uh, I them said, well. Yeah, I said, you know, if those guys can use them for years, that was good old-fashioned technology. So there's no reason that I can't. And uh, so I uh, without even hesitating, drilled a hole right inside of this poor SUV. And uh, I was still running a, a pretty low-power radio. And uh, well, I wasn't on 10 meters. I wasn't a ham at this time. But uh, I put that thing on there, and I started noticing as I was driving around town when I was to- talking to locals, I would I would hear them fine. They would be putting great signal on me. I'd go make a turn, and suddenly I didn't hear them anymore, and they didn't hear me. And uh, it was it was right then and there I knew that I said, "Man, I didn't read up enough on my antenna theory." <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I tried a, a a whole bunch of different antennas. I really did, and uh, you know, just trying to learn and, and being a novice at it, I had uh, I had learned that. Basically, your radiation pattern is adjustable by ground plane. And uh, at that corner I have well I have a trucker buddy. he lives in North Carolina and he trucks all the way up here three to three times a week up to a furniture store in Delaware. And uh, <laughs> so funny I ended up meeting him on the radio as well. It, it's, I'm telling you, it's just amazing how many friends you can make right off the radio. But uh, we keep in contact all the time and uh, as a matter of fact, I got into kind of fixing radio so to speak i'm no technician i do not tune i do not peak radios but uh changing switches uh displays things like that i I kind of just now kind of getting my hands dirty into that um but either way uh his power switch on one of his striker cbs went out so i replaced it for him and uh when he got it back in the truck it it had just struck me i said hey you know do you think you're gonna be here for a little bit he said yeah because he wasn't too far from my house i said okay so let me run an experiment, point your truck straight straight over to where I'm going to be at. And uh, I had had some room out here in the backyard of my house. So I said, I'm going to drive a couple miles down the road, I'm going to get to the house, I'm going to get in the backyard, I want you to tell me where you can hear me and where you can't hear me. And I want you to give me signal reports either through a text message or over the air. You know, if I can't hear you, just, just send it through me to text. I'm going to measure this thing out, and it's probably going to be more accurate than any field strength that you can really put to it and he said okay sounds good so i got to the backyard and through a gps i'm as close as i could get i'm looking at google maps and you know how it's got the little arrow that that'll tell you which way you're pointing yeah <laughs> i had him uh we we started off looking straight at each other and uh there are some buildings and a little bit of trees in between us but it, it was it was close enough that i was able to get some kind of measurement so we started off pointing at each other I would talk to him and hold hold the microphone, get that dead key, a little modulation going through. He would give me, you know, oh, you're, you, I got six X units on you. And okay, I'm going to move to the left slightly in increments, and you're going to tell me when, when you can't hear me anymore. And then when I start to come back in. So uh, I've got it written down somewhere. I'll have to take some pictures. But uh, I was able to find out exactly where my dead spots are on this antenna and where the where it transmits best and where it transmits the worst. And, uh, so now through grounding and, and bonding straps and everything else, I'm going to, uh, try to improve on that. Um, let's, you know, uh, being on the, the back passenger corner, it talks its greatest over my driver headlight. So if I can bring some of that, even, uh, S unit readings towards that passenger side, I'll, I'll call it an improvement, but, uh, it oh, was just yeah. fascinating
2: to me. It
0: really was. It was just interesting, and it was fun running the test.
2: Now, <clears throat> we had a uh, guest on our Digicom Cafe, actually several times, uh, John Portune, who designed slot antennas, which are—it's a fascinating topic. Uh, and one of the antennas he designed... Are essentially two flat plates that are magnetically adhered to the roof of his vehicle, and uh, that has uh, the the whole idea of slot antennas is fascinating because you think it's the 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 basically it's a it's a piece of metal with a hole a slot in it and uh, the the hot end of the coax and the ground of the coax are just put on either side of the slot, but it's on one continuous piece of metal. So right. you, you, you start thinking, well, how does that work? And, right. Well, it works because mm-hmm. the perimeter of the opening, it's the radiation is actually on the perimeter of the opening. And he's made all kinds of antennas with aluminum adhesive. you know this tape you can get that's aluminum that has adhesive on the back and he'll he'll make a slot antenna on his uh sliding glass door patio window or whatever and uh you you can think of it as kind of a a stub fed antenna in a way that's why it works but uh uh the one of the ones that he's he's designed is just two flat pieces of metal uh a few inches apart and one of them is magnetically adhered to the roof of his vehicle. And that that antenna works really great. And but, well, but peop people look at it very strange; they can't figure out how it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did uh I did see something about those slot antennas. I, I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yep. It's uh it's a fascinating. I'd never heard of the term before, and he he was a speaker at our local ham club, and I recommended that Denny put him on, and he, and he did, and uh, uh, so it's, it's been a fascinating uh, exploration to learn about antennas. I knew we're, I knew we're what we're talking
1: I, about it here in the car. Here as is uh, we've been listening to you guys. Uh, I've got James and Mel, some ham buddies of uh, mine, part of our club here in the car we were just talking about uh, john's presentation and just mentioned that it's uh really nothing more than a folded dipole yeah it really does work mm-hmm. good oh sean how old are you i don't think we've mentioned that you're pretty young aren't
0: you yeah 27
1: wow oh, you're 27 you're- been a here for two months you're uh you're really radiating there young man
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know we're we're trying you know like like i said it, it went from a uh, just something to kind of tinker with and mess with to uh, almost a lifestyle now you know it's uh it's just really been, been one of those things i just kind of kept focused on you know I've, I've i've always wanted to learn things you know new things new interesting things and it's just something that caught my interest and uh you know just just at that moment when you think you've got it all figured out there's there's something else to learn you know, so it, it just keeps you keeps you moving, keeps you uh, going. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm uh, going to be 70 this year, and I'm I'm probably learning more now than I've ever learned before. And uh, Jim's been having a great time learning all the ropes here, back get back into HF more. and different things, and we learn from each other. And you're always welcome, Sean. Anytime you want to drop in and participate in our morning cafe cast and share your insights or experiences, uh, we'd love to have you. I want to thank you for taking the time to tell your story uh you've exceeded uh, beyond my estimation all the things that uh, you already know as a young ham and uh you you got a great ability to communicate so appreciate you being here uh, we've gone uh, an hour now and that's going to make a great cafe cast so i want to thank jim too for the great job he's done in uh, handling the interview for us as we've been on the road here i hope it's not too noisy in the background but that's the way it is when you're mobiling. But anyway, thank you very much, Sean. Appreciate you. And we'll be listening for you on Zello on the ZMR channel, too.
0: Absolutely. Sounds good. And uh, thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be tuning in and uh, trying to get a little more involved here on the Digicom Cafe. I, I think it's a great idea. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if there's if we can get one person to get their hand license and to get started and all the excitement, you know, I think it's worth it. So
2: Sean, it's been great meeting you. I've really enjoyed talking with you and learning a little bit about your story. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank the, you, guys.
1: And by the way, I don't think you mentioned that either. What is your last name?
2: Story. Yeah, it is Story. S T O R Y.
1: That's great. Well, Mister Story, thanks for your story.
2: Wait a minute. I I have to ask, Sean, what is what is your middle name? Uh, Michael. Oh, oh, I was hoping it might be Ontario or something like that. Then you could go <laughs> go by the initials S O S. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. All right. Well, thanks. You guys have a good day. We're uh, pretty close to Harrison, and I'll be home. If Looking in the mailbox for that uh, 3D printed case for my nano BNA there, Jim.
2: Well, I hope it I hope it comes today. And so, Sean, thanks for joining us. Please come back, and I'll say seven threes to you now. And look forward to speaking to you in the future.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a honestly, it's been a pleasure being on here. Yeah, we'll say seventy threes.
1: Seventy three, Sean. Bye bye. Hi, this is Extra Class Amateur Radio Operator, K5DCC. I just upgraded to my Extra Class last year. You know how I did it? I used Hamtest Online. Did you know that Hamtest Online is the top rated study program on eham.net? 97% of reviewers gave them five stars. They have more five star user reviews than all other study methods combined, and success is guaranteed. If you fail the amateur radio license exam, they will refund your subscription. It's a no-brainer. You pass the exam or get a full refund. Try it for yourself at HamTestOnline.com. Hello, cafe Denny Jay here in the beautiful Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas out in the country, 25 miles from any large city. Out here in the country, we struggle to get good internet. Maybe you have the same problem. If you live in a rural area, you don't have many options. It's either satellite or DSL or cellular. And believe me, we've tried them all. Just recently, I was more than happy to pay the penalty to get out of our satellite service. Latency was horrible. And for amateur radio communications, The delays were up to five seconds and uh, you've probably experienced what that's like. Our DSL service was also very unreliable. We rarely got the speeds that we were promised and it kept dropping out. But now I think I found a service that we're going to love. It's called Visible.com. It's a company that's owned by Verizon. And kind of a pared back service, but works beautifully for my situation here out in the country on 15 acres. Visible.com offers only one plan. It's unlimited everything. Unlimited calls, text, and internet at slightly slower speeds than their top drawer plan at Verizon. But it does use the Verizon network. Go to Visible.com and use my referral code. 3 November 37 November Tango. Also, to get your $40 a month bill reduced to $25, you need to be part of a party pay group. You can join me in our Digicom Cafe party. You will find the link to these things down in the show notes here, along with links to our Digicom Cafe community portal, which is a Facebook alternative. Also our Telegram community, where we have text and voice chat. And also our live Cafe Cast here in the Digicom Cafe. So get your line at visible.com. And again, use my referral code and join our party to get that bill down to $25 a month.
2: Thank you for listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe Cast. We invite you to join our mighty network's amateur radio community at members.digicomcafe.com.